disappointing, but like I am a black person in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just like a good place to start. And to me, automatically, you're an empowered woman. Thank now you. In my life. Ugh, mm. I love that. It's true, though. And that's I, what you are. And that's really what I like was talking to Cam about with all of this is like, like, that's what I want to showcase is that you're an empowered woman in today's society. Mm hmm. Yeah. You have a voice and it needs to be heard. And like, yeah. And my voice is just one voice in kind of and like many. the crowd of yes. voices. But, yeah. but I think not. the important part of it is like understanding every voice's experience because mm-hmm. each one is different Absolutely. and they all have not only like credibility but value to them mm-hmm. that yes. like builds into like where we are today. So Absolutely. if we say anything insensitive. I call it out. If we, I call it. I, that you would. I call a duck a duck because okay. like. <laughs> a duck's a duck, motherfucker. And actually, this is something that I learned today. Like when you say calling a spade a spade, like that's actually a racial term because like it is. Yeah, I and I had no idea because like spades are traditionally black, and it's like calling something black black. But like I'm down to call a duck a duck because a duck's a duck, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with yeah. like that. Damn. But yeah. I. I mean, I'm. I'm consciously trying to be careful with words of using appropriate words, not like like unlearning words. what you know. Yeah, and yeah. Just, I want to make sure I'm using the right terminology, um, and if I'm not, like, help me reword things for sure. Yeah, and I, I cool. Safe space. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Let's promise we're gonna have a safe space. This is safe like an like like triangle of power right now. Yeah, I That's like that. Oh, lady triangle. Wait, Wisdom. It's a lady triangle of power. Cam, take it over. Oh, God. Today's going to be great. Uh, I have a old friend, now new friend, um, Saba Mateos. Uh, we've known My each other. Uh, Jess's new friend. Uh, we've known each other, I mean, really knew each other in high school, but have really known each other back in the kindergarten days. I mean, we're pushing on like 20 years at 20 this point. Years? If you think about it, it like be. first grade, we're like five, six. Like yeah. it's been 20 like, something years since I've known Cam. We wow. went to daycare together. Like we were just like, reminiscing we, on our daycare. Diapers, yeah. Exactly. That's what we were saying. Practically. I was out of them, so wet in my pants. But, you know? Same, same, same. It's fine. <laughs> same, same. same. <laughs> it's fine. Whoops. But yeah, she, she's here today. She is going to talk to us about like her story, her journey. Um, and we're just really excited to have you and like thanks. I'm really glad to be here. Conversation, and I'm just I'm ready to share it with other people too and our listeners. Yeah, thanks. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. I'm really excited about this, and thanks for first and foremost like having a place to have the conversation. I think. Mm-hmm. Especially with everything that's going on, a lot of people don't know where to start. And yeah. just having people that you feel comfortable talking to about these things and unpacking what you know and what you don't, I think creates like that shared knowledge and yeah. is really important for all of us. So Absolutely. thank you guys for, for creating this for yeah. all of us. And thank you for agreeing to come on. Yeah, I was so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> for me, like, I'll be the first one to admit, like, this, this initial, the initial thought of doing an episode was uncomfortable it was tell me why that was uncomfortable I just because like I, I would love to hear for you like I'm because sure it's like your experience to, I, I right I if I have like the words to like describe it but so I'm like, like bandwagon it's like oh this movement's happening we should get a black girl on our show <laughs> 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 like bandwagon you know I don't know no I totally get that no I totally get that yeah 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 maybe shame or no. Maybe a little bit That's of like, old. okay, like maybe I'm like quite, like I felt like maybe I needed to feel like I understood everything a little bit more, but really understand 
to understand it, we have to have the conversations. And this is what's going to happen. We're going to have a conversation mm-hmm. to be a more understanding. And yeah, I come from like a place where it's kind of all over the place where I grew up in a, you know, white dominant community where, you know, like I had, I knew one black kid and one Asian kid and a bunch of native American kids that weren't so nice to me and things like that. Um, so, I mean, I just think it's like, like, perspective and like just understanding but having like being able to have the conversation is so important you also touched on something i think is really important like it's also about like the experiences Mm -hmm. and like understanding the experiences that people have and haven't had yeah because like when i was in college i had someone tell me that i was the first person of color that they knew like not that they not that they were like in community with but like someone that they just knew was black and that experience of just never having a person of color or a a black person in your life Mm -hmm. will really shape your world and your beliefs and the way that you think and just being able to understand that experience I think is going to be a way that we as a society start moving forward yeah right because I can't say I know what your experiences yeah. are, but you also can't say you know what mine are either. Exactly. Yeah. So I definitely think it's really important that, like, one, we come together, but also we're women and we're strong. And I just, like, think it's really important that we empower our voices and have the conversation as well. So I'm excited to see where this conversation goes. Just a, just quick question I like to ask everybody that I first meet is, what is one fun fact about yourself? Oh, this is good. Um <laughs> I literally ask every, like everybody I meet, like brand new. I'm. This is my favorite fun fact about myself. Um, when I was a kid, I crazy glued my eye shut on accident. <laughs> no. Yes. How? What and what? How did you? What unglue? That I know. I know, right? Isn't that crazy? What? She has both her eyes. I do have both of my eyes. I do. Thank you. Um. When I was a kid, my grandmother was living with us and she had eye drops and she was sharing a room with someone that also had crazy glue. And as a four-year-old, it can really, you can easily mis- misread those bottles. Oh, absolutely. Could you read Could you read? No. Like, you just don't know. You're just mimicking behaviors you've seen. And so my eye was itchy and my grandmother had really dry eyes, so I'd seen her do it before. Drop that bad boy in my eye and we were crazy glued for six months straight. It was awesome. Six months? Yeah. What? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So fun fact. Um, thank you for sharing <laughs> that fun fact. Holy shit. Just keep crazy glue away from your kids, people, okay? Yeah. Just hide your crazy glue. Hide your crazy glue. <laughs> keep out of the reach of children. Yes, yeah. like those those labels are really important for a reason. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. It reminded me of when I uh, I think I stapled my thumb in like third grade. Ooh. But for real, it's like why do we give Children like very dangerous or access Legos. to these things. Yeah, Legos. Why? Legos are dangerous for children, but also dangerous for, for adults. 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 Yeah. I'm. I'm just thinking about like, I've seen this a lot, especially lately on social media. But like, let's make things make sense. You know, yeah. like make it make, 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 it, make it make sense. sense. Oh, all over Twitter. All so over I, Twitter. I don't have Twitter, so I don't know what that's like. I don't have what Twitter either. But it's just like, why? Why are we giving dangerous objects to children when yeah. they can't properly? Example A, Saba. Why did she have crazy glue in her hand when she clearly make doesn't make know? Sense. Make it make sense. Like, why does she have why access like to that? that? Make, make it, it make sense. Use 
common sense, folks. Yeah. Oh no. But like, also some people's common sense. Some people's common sense is like is way off, off. and so we just got to make it make all kinds of sense. Just make it make sense. Yeah. (laughs) I actually kind of think that's like a a nice transition because like I want to make all of life right now make sense. Yeah. You know, like there's there's a lot going on. Earlier we kind of talked about like what does you know defunding the police look like and like maybe that doesn't make sense immediately it didn't for me Mm -hmm. i was like what it didn't make it didn't make sense for me immediately right like it's like wait the police are supposed to protect us like Mm -hmm. that doesn't they're supposed supposed to protect us like Mm -hmm. like how does this make sense Mm -hmm. and it's like make it that's what we want to on twitter is make it make sense right i want to make sure that the police force who i have an immense amount of respect for Mm -hmm. I want to make their job make sense. When I, and this is kind of funny, I was looking this up before our before our chat. Yeah. Um, there aren't that many hours that like a current police officer has to do in terms of their training to become an officer. It's very frustrating. And, and as a current officer. As a the, current officer. So you don't have to keep up training? Well, it's not necessarily mandatory because the firsthand first-hand experience or mm-hmm. more like I, it's not like a, I guess I wouldn't yeah. be first-hand experience it would be like second-hand secondary, experience second-hand experience because my ex-husband actually second-hand smoke he yeah. he was is a defensive tactics trainer and what happens is they're like they want to train they want to get this stuff mandatory and what happened is the administration is like no this isn't mandatory and what I wanted to say and like make my position really clear because yeah. like so much respect for people that choose to put their life in harm's way in the service of others. Yeah. I just want to make sure that the way that that system currently functions and the way that our current police structure is even built off of is like to acquire enslaved people that have run away. Mm-hmm. Like, does that currently make sense for the society that we live in? No. 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 So I want to make it make sense. Yeah. Like, I think we need cops because there are bad people doing bad things. Absolutely. Yeah, it's Sorry. freaking hot in here today. It's, it is. Holy it's a hot shit. topic, girl. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a hot topic. <laughs> well, so this was the thing that I was I was looking up. Yeah. Was that... Did you just sing hot, hot topic? Oh, my God, you <laughs> did. But I said hot, hot topic. Hot topic. But I said it's hot topic. <laughs> I know you did. What's the last time you had Hot Pocket? Sorry. Hot last week? Question mark? Really? And did you shit your pants? Or did you shoot your pants? Okay, but do I have like... Sidebar. <laughs> Sidebar for real. <laughs> but this, this just shows how off the cusp we are. She's getting serious and I talk about... One second. We're about to talk about... Did you shit your pants or not? No, I definitely didn't. Because like, do I keep Hot Pockets in my like life? Yes. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. So she's accustomed. Yeah, I'm like absolutely accustomed to hot pockets. Like, <laughs> gotcha. you got to be able to I hook. I had a hot pocket. You'd probably hurt. I had my pants. Oh yeah, but well, you, it's normal. Yeah, I can't have like three or four of them in a row, like in oh, high no, school. That's but like, fire can I have one? Sure. Is he gonna get me? Get me to snack time? Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Sorry. You were saying. <laughs> so okay, the thing that I was saying was that currently. Mm-hmm. The police department in Seattle only has to do 720 hours of training to become a police officer. When I Then you look at an electrician. They have to do 8,000 hours of training to become a formal electrician. And then I think about professions like a doctor, where they have to do 40,000 hours, yeah. which is close to 20 years yeah. of work. 
I want to make our system make sense. Like I want to make sure we have a high bar for the people that are protecting us. Absolutely. If I am currently in an HR position, my HR position requires a four-year degree. It requires a minimum of at least four years of experience. Mm -hmm. And I want to make that make sense in the same type of a system that is meant to protect us. Because currently it isn't. And we're seeing that everywhere. It's creep. That's just absurd because I I went to school for psychology and should I have decided, yeah, which is great. I didn't know that. I'm like, my automatic response is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, psych. So I was considering doing, going to grad school for therapy, to be a therapist, but Mm -hmm. ultimately I found the gym and like coaching and. And And this is another way of like getting mental health and like getting right with yourself for sure. I would say that exercise has been the best form of therapy a girl could ever have. Mm-hmm. Especially if y'all are in therapy, get to it. And that makes sense. I'm about to, and, and that, that makes sense. sense. I'm putting on that on yeah. a t-shirt. Don't steal <laughs> <laughs> Okay, also, just cut that out. Make that make... No, we'll just, no, we're keeping that. Keep that in. Keep it in. Trademark that. But yeah, I trademark. Say, like, yes, I exercise, but also I have therapy too. So the dual... Oh. The dual it helps. Mm-hmm. Having someone to talk to is important, people. And to have someone from unbiased... Someone that's not currently in your life yeah, that just wants just to care talk. for you. Yeah, exactly. But in, to get to become like a therapist, you have to put 10,000 hours in. Mm-hmm. 10,000. And y'all know that Macklemore song. That makes you an expert. <laughs> I'm just saying, 10,000 hours? Like, that's a lot of training. That's a lot of time. A lot of training, a lot of hands-on, a lot of papers, a lot of this, a lot of that. It is crazy to hear the amount of hours that, that like, they're, what is it, 700? It's 720 hours. That's yeah. four and a half it's months. months. It's four and a half months. And that, is that, that's just the academy, though. Bruh. But you do know what happens after the academy. They're in, like, a probationary period for at so, minimum a year. So, what, So yeah, so what happens is, and I only know this because my ex-husband was a, a field training officer. Which also, again, like, so much respect for people that choose that profession yeah. and, like, want to like, protect us. Like, he, thank he you. He knew that he wanted to do that at the age of, like, four years old. Right. Yeah. So, like, mad respect. Like, yeah, we didn't work out, but I, like, appreciate what he does. And he's very serious in, about doing a good job. Which is important, especially, mm-hmm. um, I won't go any further than that. But okay. what I do know is, yes, you go to the academy for four months or so. Then you graduate and you go to something called post-blade training. Mm-hmm. So you do training after that, and that includes defensive, defensive tactics, shooting, things like that, and getting you ready for, like, on streets. Right. Then from there, you go to, and this is just, I'm speaking for King County, because he was King, he is a King County police officer, um... Is that he, that there's like, you have to go through segments. So there's an A, A, B, C, D segment. Mm. And then a fine, um, so A, B, midterm, C, D, final. Okay. And for King County, it's very, very strict. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about other agencies. Yeah. And I know from secondhand experience that Seattle has huge issues huge like they were on the federal like fbi investigation not too long ago like there's just a lot of shit and i don't and we're also but we're also seeing that like the spd kind of the way that they're handling everything Mm -hmm. that's going on currently in seattle with the protesters that there is a lot of work that needs to be done with 
their training, but also their relationship with the community Absolutely. because those are the people that they are there to yeah, protect right. and serve. Yeah, and you would think like King County has a very high standard for their officers as far as training goes. Like because but we are, come from a very liberal, we come from a board. very liberal area, yeah. but it's and it's unfortunate that it's not like that. Yeah. So the question that like I keep thinking about is, we're in this state where everything is so uncertain, like. Mm-hmm. I think about like our dreamland, like what is like the perfect type of society that we want for everyone? And like, how can we actually build that? Because we have that power. We absolutely absolutely have that power. Um, And I think about how we have that power. It's like through the way that we vote, where we put our money, you know, how are we having these conversations and leveraging our privilege? And I'm using myself because I know I do have privilege even though I'm a black female in the United States, Mm -hmm. that I have, you know, a financial privilege, that I have an education privilege, that I need to and have a responsibility to then leverage and expand for others. Yeah. Like, how are we as a society, like, dreaming up this new place that, like, welcomes everyone? Because we see where we are isn't where we want to be. Yeah. Like, the true America yeah. What does that? That's a great. Yeah, I mean, that is a great point. Like people come here because they think it's the greatest country in the world. Well, what it is why? is it's, it's what the, is the country for opportunity to, right. to create a better like future for yourself but and if for we, your family. But not that doesn't mean it's good for everyone. Like no, how, it's, it's not gonna work for everybody. But like, it's how can work, we but make how can that? We say that like yeah. everyone's like it's a land of opportunity, land yeah. of freedom. Yeah. When it's fucking not for some people. For like, some people, it's you not. Struggle. You're right. Like, it, I'm like, struggling. Right. How can we make it that Real land talk. for everyone? Yeah. You know, it's like these foreigners come or immigrants come. I'm not saying that derogatory term. I said foreigners, but immigrants come and they're thinking like, is I'm that derogatory though? I don't know. I like foreigners. Yeah, but but if I go somewhere else, they're gonna call me a foreigner. And I I mean maybe maybe it's like in terms of like like contextual. It's like are you visiting? Are you staying? Like people that have like chosen to immigrate here, like they are a part of our community, like to better their own lives, Mm -hmm. and like they also have a say, and like because they see what we have said about ourselves mm-hmm. they've heard are we, talk? are we all talk as a country walk it the walk people like it sometimes let's walk the walk i definitely know that you feel that way i feel that way yeah. i feel like this country isn't the best i'll be honest like growing up as a and we were kind of talking about this earlier like as a black person in america like mm-hmm. i'm black every day mm-hmm. i have every day. i am black every day Mm -hmm. but I have dreams for like what I believe a better America looks like and I know that like the America my parents because I'm also a first generation American my parents immigrated to this country and where'd they immigrate from they immigrated from Eritrea we celebrate our 30th Independence Day next year May 24th if y'all want to come out to be honest I've never heard of that country it's a really young country and awesome I mean 30 years 30 years of independence and I mean from Ethiopia and that kind of if you want to we can unpack that too because that kind of plays into the like understanding of like whiteness in the world because like we think that this is an American issue but this is actually a global issue Mm -hmm. and this all comes down um so Eritrea was its own country and during the Africa scramble Italy came and colonized Eritrea when they left they decided that they wanted to leave the power of our country to Ethiopia. 
that in turn created a lot of strife and turmoil where our people then decided they wanted to fight for their freedom, which yeah. they deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very thankful for that because I wouldn't exist if that never came to like my name Saba comes from a well-known freedom fighter that lost her life in that war that was close to my dad my dad fought in the war um like my mom is a refugee for fighting for what was right like she's spewing I like my my existence in this world essentially shouldn't even be because the world Mm -hmm. really fought against Eritrea even existing like And so when I think about this, like my existence in this moment and mm-hmm. in this place in the world and our time in history, I, I realize like I have a responsibility to what my parents have fought for Absolutely. to continue to fight because it's not what they fought for. Like yeah. they fought for freedom and I still have yet to have that. Yeah. And I deserve it for every life that has been lost on their battlefield as yeah. well as this one. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's amazing. Yeah. So Shout out to Mateo Smarhatian and Meharat Mahari. Thank Shout you for raising me. Appreciate you guys. Mm. Um, really cool. Thank I want to ask, yeah. kind of off of that, like, how has your upbringing and like your parents influenced your kind of awareness of black oppression or just your blackness? That's a really great question. No, yeah, that's a great question, and that's something that. I have been unpacking as well as unlearning within myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I am so thankful for my opportunity to have grown up in the United States, but I also recognize that part of my existence comes within my parents' knowledge of what America is. Mm -hmm. And so my I grew up within the mental understanding of like what does it mean to be a model minority and that is what it means to be successful but that's not necessarily true in the United States I as a black female have been incredibly educated got really good grades in high school went to an excellent college I work for a fortune 500 company for the past almost four years and love what I do Mm But none of those things will change the fact that a cop could see me on the street and think that I'm a threat because of my skin color. And that terrifies me that even myself, I've believed these own falsities of my existence Mm -hmm. and want to make sure that I not only educate the people around me because I recognize that I'm in a predominantly white neighborhood predominantly white relationships based off of my existence mm-hmm. and be a better voice of change within that yeah you know yeah um so it's been really really hard for me to also unpack kind of like my relationship with my race because for a very long time i had like this understanding of like get good grades stay out of trouble mm-hmm. and everything will be fine yeah and I've been really lucky that all of those things have been true up to this point. Mm-hmm. But we also see in the cases of Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. someone who you know died in her own home yeah. in the protection of her own space, that you can be excellent and that still won't matter. Yeah. And so it's been, it's been really complicated to 
understand, unpack, and have those conversations with our family members at the same time because, and I, I, w- I would imagine that a lot of people within like our millennial generation are probably experiencing this where they want so desperately for their parents to understand like this is important to me and because it's important to me I want you it to be important to you yeah um but not being able to quite like break down their own biases or prejudices that have been so ingrained and so learned in what they know Mm -hmm. and just being aware being conscious of what it is and working towards unlearning that I think is going to be the biggest thing that we've got to do how has the conversation with your parents been and your they, were, they were born and raised in Eritrea. Eritrea. Yeah. Eritrea. Um, I'm really fortunate because I have a younger sister that is my better half. Yeah. And I will tweet that from every rooftop. <laughs> I will agree, my sister is my Samara. better half. Shout out, Samara Mateos. You are my idol. <laughs> um, That's so cute. And I mean, you know my sister. I know. She's, great. she's the best. I'm sure she's really awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's also like tall and beautiful, oh, and just yeah, like kills me. Oh, you're yeah. beautiful too. Don't, yeah, even, don't yeah. undercut it. I won't undercut it, but like, yeah. not like her. Like your parents make beautiful. Children. They make beautiful kids, but like, how did I get chipped on the height thing? Stop. How did I get chipped oh, on the height? How did I get chipped? How, how tall are you? I'm five three. And I'm five five. Like it's okay, all right. but my oh, sister's five eight. Okay. Cam's six two. Right. Kim, Own it. come on, I'm girl. I'm pretty sure it's because I drank milk out of the glass. And no. Before, <laughs> before it was RBST free. Like I was just drinking like hormones. Okay, come on. <laughs> I just, wait, I did want. To, I don't know if we need to keep this, but I really want to just appreciate that you said it's a relationship with your race. Yeah. Like you have a relationship with your race, and I personally cannot relate to that at all. I don't know what that feels like. Like a relationship with your race. So that doesn't make sense to like me. What does can, that mean to can you? you yeah. Elaborate. You want her to... yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, but also, if you have anything to say on that, that's no, great. yeah, that's, that's fine a too. really great question. And I and like because really you're also going to make me kind of unpack it on the spot. And I think that's important. Yeah, vulnerable, authentic. Yeah, authentic. yeah. so my relationship with. And when I say my race, I mean me. Like, Mm -hmm. not like the black community. I mean, like, my relationship with my understanding of my own blackness. Mm -hmm. My relationship with my race. That it's hard to have an understanding of what your race is when you don't have a lot of visibility into that within your own society outside of your own family. You and I kind of talked about this, um, on our walk, like what does, like when was the first time anyone had like a, a black teacher in their lives and kind of thinking about like what that relationship with that teacher for me looked like, Um, and just having like an understanding of like where my race fits into my, my dialogue Mm -hmm. and my everything. And for a long time, my understanding of my race was that it was not a conversation because my ethnicity was actually the center of who I was. So my parents really do pride themselves on being Eritrean, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, English is my second language. I didn't speak English until I had to go to school. Um, 
like I grew up eating the foods, you know, in community with my family. That's so cool. And so that relationship to like that race piece of like being black yeah. was never actually a discussion until I was in college. Oh. Um, and again, like, I, I went to a predominantly white institution, so a PWI, um, if you're not familiar with that language. And having people... That's, that's a term? PWI, yeah. So, like, an HBCU is a historically black college or university. Um, a PWI is a predominantly white institution. Well, I just learned something new. Whoa! Yeah. yeah. Whoa! And so most of the institutions that I'm a part of are PWI. PWIs. Okay. And, like, but that's also part of the fact that like our society at this point has had a control that is predominantly white. Yeah. And so like I understand that. When I got to college, I started to have conversations with people that not only looked like me, but people that talked like me, that had similar experiences as me. Um, and I think kind of growing up where we did that the first generation American immigrant experience is very, very unique. Mm -hmm. um, I had a hard time relating to, and like I had a hard time relating to people of color or black people within our, like in the institutions that I was in because my identity wasn't in my blackness, it was in my immigrantness. Mm -hmm. And now that I am old enough to understand how my blackness informs and has a surrounds my immigrantness, I have like a better relationship with what that looks like for myself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it yeah. makes sense. I, I, I'm processing. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm, I'm like, best and like, relate. because the and but when you think about it in like your own terms, like in yeah. your own experience, because again, like this That's is about my experience, right. and like your experiences have been different. Mm -hmm. Your experience isn't as a first generation no. immigrant in a community that doesn't look like you. Yeah, and. That's okay. Yeah. Like, I don't want to fault you for having a different right. experience yeah. than me, but I do want you to understand that, like, my relationship with people, my relationship with language, my relationship with education is all a thousand and a hundred whatever percent tied to my relationship with, like, my immigrantness and yeah. my parents' immigration here. Because, when, well, like, we had a discussion. I was like, I don't feel that way. But I was like, I was concerned, are you feeling that way? Because then again, like when you, you, you said earlier before, like just that last question is that you're like, I don't feel like I have a relationship with my race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, that, I mean, like I was just concerned. Like I was hoping that she wasn't feel. I was I think I was, that, like, I was just called. Like it was yeah. more of a, like I was like so moved by this movement. Yeah. Which... I mean, finally, about time, but, yeah. like, it was just, like, I felt called, like, I want to share. I can't speak for the black community. I can't speak for Saba. I can't yeah. speak for these people. Yeah. So I want Saba to come. Like, Saba's, yeah. like, the person I know. Like, you were just the From person. From the get-go. Literally, the, yeah. I was, like, Thanks, I told Jess, I was, like, yeah. I have a great person. I think Saba would do yeah. it. And I met, reached out to you, and yeah. you were, like, hell yeah. And I was, like, great, because I can't speak on this because yeah. I'm not educated. I'm educating myself. Mm -hmm. And Which I also power to you for I educating yourself. Yeah. You. 
Um, I haven't experienced it, so I can't speak on that. Um, so I just wanted to, and I don't feel white guilt. And I think white guilt is real of just like, you know, fuck my ancestors. Like, yeah, Columbus was a piece of shit. Like I want to like, a, <gasps> there's like a threshold, like, yeah. right? Like where if we're talking about like 100% to like zero, like mm-hmm. I want, I want not all black people, if Saba wants to a certain level, all white people to feel a level of guilt. Like, yeah. just, like, a level. Just a little yeah. bit. Because, yes. because if you don't feel guilt, then you won't feel responsible for it. Yeah. And yeah. I think that comes to, this is another piece that, like, I love. Um, we, as a society, just have, like, zero education about, like, what really happened. What is real history? So, and, like, let's talk about that. History yeah. forever and ever and oh. ever has always, always, always been told from the side of the winner. Exactly. The side of the winner. What would happen yes. if we told... Yes, we have a Native American yes. in the room. What would happen? What would happen if we told the story of Columbus coming to the United States from the perspective of Native Americans thriving yes. in the United world States? in the United States. Yeah. If he started world history Or what it was like... What if he started world history in Africa? Yeah. What if, what if you started yes. world history from where everyone originated from? Yes. And this also touches on like a... I do believe racism is like the deepest form of self-hate, like the deepest form of self-hate. Like if you can't love the person next to you, that means there's something about you that you don't like Mm -hmm. that you are projecting onto someone else. When it comes down to it, like, and if you want to be, if you want to be religious, if you want to be scientific, if you want to be historical, like whatever it is in the time of knowledge and information age, like, society started in Africa. And if you have an issue with black people, then you have an issue with yourself on like a very deep and dark level that like, I want you to be able to look at yourself and say, what's going on? Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Why are we here? How did, how did we get here? Yeah. And that's uncomfortable. And that's super like uncomfortable. That. Yeah, because it's like digging on the, in, the inside, mm, oh, you and have like the internal, talk. like, oh, you have to like do some internal reflection. But also like, what else are we doing during quarantine, guys? It's all about, for, like, what else are we doing right now? Digging on the inside. That's the important part. Like, what, and I don't know where you guys stand belief wise, but like, super religious opportunity <laughs> yeah. to reflect on the inside. Like, let's get, let's get right with yourself. Let's be honest. Like, let's be so honest with the world right now. Yeah. If it's been eight years since the first unarmed African-American human person, specifically a child, was killed in the United States by a cop. Yeah. So we've had almost a decade as a society to decide on kind of how we feel about this. But it has taken a global pandemic for us to say, wait a minute. Yeah. Something is wrong. This is not, this is not what I like. This is not what I believe in. This is not how we want our society to exist. And I was talking to uh, my old roommate and I keep thinking about like this year, 2020, you know, perfect vision. Like we all talk Mm -hmm. about, like we make, we make that joke, but Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about 2040. I'm thinking about 2060. I'm thinking about 2080. And what are these people going to say about what it is that we did? And I want, I want history books to be like, they Rewritten. lit 
They lit the world on fire. And they they, they burned like they fire. burned it to the ground, and they saw themselves in the reflection and really didn't like what they saw. Yeah, and let it burn. It's about up. time. It's about it time. about time that we I, woke up. Like literally before the pandemic, I'm like, we just let all this shit go. We just we let, just like let this happen for thousands all of years. Let us, like let this happen. Like the mm-hmm. education. Like I really feel like this is the time. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a time to wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wake up and and woke. Yeah. And that is and that is where that is really where that term comes from. Yeah. Is like we yeah. as a society have been asleep. We have been comfortable and sleeping through all of this. Once you wake up, that's when you're like, oh, I can do something about this. Yeah. I don't have to be a sheepdog. Though. Yeah, exactly. When you're awake, you're like, yeah, don't be the sheep. Oh, like you want to do something about it. When you're yeah. truly woke, you're not like, oh, I'm aware of it. Okay, whatever. It'll handle yeah. itself. No, it's not. It's you're like woke, woke takes action. Doing something. Woke takes yeah, action, action because once you're awake, that's when you're doing things. Yeah. Woke takes action. Also, my love language is action, just in case for all of you listeners, love language is action. Wait, hold up, hold up. Random other question. Are you single? Oh, girl single. All right, all right. And ready to mingle. You didn't even finish the question before she was ready to answer that. All right, single on three. No, we can't. Single and ready to mingle. Hey. Call me. Hey, stop on Instagram. Conversation because I want to know why are you being sexless in Seattle? So, the reason okay, so here's the like, granted, being picky is one thing, I understand. Ooh, yeah, no, I and so this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. I have a high bar for everything in my life. Mm -hmm. I I want to have a high bar for what it takes to get into our police academy, what it takes to be a doctor, what it takes to be a a human in this world. Like, I just have a high bar, and you and rightfully so, right for yourself. absolutely but a lot of that comes from the fact that like i've spent the last five years of my life working on myself yeah i don't want to be in my next relationship working on someone else i had had orgasms on my own oh i had never had an orgasm with a guy and i was like am i doing sex wrong and then i realized no you guys are doing sex wrong not a sidebar not a sidebar on that that you can keep Y'all are doing sex wrong. But like, so, but the reason, the reason I want this podcast, the reason I want this podcast is because I don't think that people are comfortable enough talking about sex. We should. Just like, as this is. Straight up not. But so part of it is like, if you want to be in a relationship, like if that's what you want, then like, that's what you should also have. And like, just being upfront and honest about that. And so like, say you have, say you hook up with someone and they're like, I don't want to I don't want to be in a relationship. Then, then you say like, I do, but like, let's be clear that like, this is a moment that we will be able to appreciate. And if Mm -hmm. we don't want any, if we, Mm -hmm. we are making a decision together. And I think that's kind of the other issue. You should. I want everyone to feel sexually empowered. I mean, I think I was striving for this relationship vibe that I want. Like, I just, yeah, I want the intimacy and all this stuff. But I'm not getting that. And I'm like waiting for this person. Mm-hmm. Not the... Not, just like... Know, but this uh, person, this person somewhere to be my checklist. To have, you know, check all those things off my list. And then pursue. Where, you know, maybe they don't meet all the things on my checklist. And then 
but why not? They're also a great person and they might have great sex. So why can't I also pursue that? And I'm trying to change my mentality and it's just a mentality. For like, sure. It's not even like I'm against this or this. It's just like, how do I think about this process of sex mm -hmm. and being sexually active well, and so, and I, and this is why, like, I, I so deeply think this podcast would be important because, like, I also think it goes to, like, the relationship that people have with sex is, like, mm -hmm. women so deeply are taught that, like, sex is something that is supposed to be, like, special and kept and, like, whatever. And, like, don't have it before marriage. And so, for me, I grew up in, and, like, I love my parents and their mentality around these things, but, like, I grew up and told my mom that like I wanted to be a virgin because I knew that's what my mom wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed mm -hmm. one. I thought I wanted that. I thought that was going to happen. And actually, perfect example. I've had sex with a guy that like really didn't do it for me. Mm -hmm. And like the whole point of us getting together was like both of us get our rocks off. But like if only one of us does, then clearly somebody half-assed their job. Mm -hmm. And I told him that. I was like, look, like we had like our agreement was that we would both have fun. We both didn't have fun. I didn't even come close to orgasming. So like, why would I want to do this again? I love you. I love you too. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing because I feel the same. Exact same I mean, way. But like, that's it. But like genuinely, like if I'm not getting what I want, like why would I stick around for that? For you to then use me as your toy? Like, no, 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 no. Like I want what I want. sex is frustrating. And that I feel like is where that like tug of like not understanding. If like you are a fuck boy and like you just want to have sex and like that's your goal, say it. Say it. I will respect oh. you and fuck you twice as hard for it. Yes. Like see the problem, yes. address the problem, and unlearn right. what got you there. Powerful. That is powerful shit. So I real like this episode's. It's gonna be fucking amazing. Fire. I'm really excited about this, you guys. Like, yes. I'm really, really yeah, excited about this. You're saying some really great stuff. So, to be honest, like, as soon as you messaged me, I like, I got really excited because I was like, nobody ever wanted me on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but then at the same time, I was like. What is, like, I want to make sure that, like, I am bringing value to what it is that right. you guys are doing because, mm -hmm. like, this is your guys' time and space and, like, you guys are creating a moment and energy that, like, you have purpose in this and, like, are putting that out into the world. Yeah. That's why we bring you on. We want and I wanted to make sure that, like, I could contribute to that. And, and we wanted you to be a part of our space. I'm really thankful to be here, you guys. Yeah. Like, this has honestly been such a fun conversation. So fun. I, you guys, Joanne waits wine and wisdom. Like, do it. White wait wine wisdom. Woo! Last of the wine. Well, we do a mid mid episode wine review. So we had. What'd you get, Jess? All right. So we started off with grabbed a bottle of dearly beloved Ivy Red, and I got it from. Oh. From. Well, I uh, bought total mine. wine, total wine. Oh, how much? Because I bought mine from Grocery Outlet. Well, you know what? Maybe I got mine from Trader Joe's because you know I love Bargain Trader Joe's. Market. TJ's always comes in. Trader Joe's, can you sponsor us, please? Yeah, snacks. for real. Snacks and two buck chucks. Um, let's like pull it back, reel it in. Just a bit. I already asked you this on our walk. What was your first experience with racism? This is so sad. And I, I just think it's a great question because it may have started 
your realization with racism in general? Yeah, um, I was a kid. Um, I was four, maybe five. It's probably like right after I unglued my eye shut. <laughs> so just because, like, shout out, oh, like, oh, well. laugh over a it's, it's so serious. I'm sorry. Um, my like first mental like remembered experience of like racism and like even today I still have like a hard time wrapping my brain around it because it's so stupid. Just like it's the situation itself. Like you would look at it and be like, "What the fuck?" Well, and four four years old, five years old. That's that's when you you're start so real, really remembering things. Yeah, you don't remember yes. things when you're three, two, and one. No, you know? like I don't, I don't have memories of like my brother and sister being born because yeah. like that was in that like age range. But I have pictures of it. Like I remember that. But it's like I know you guys exist. You're here. <laughs> um. So my first experience, like knowledgeable experience with racism was when I was in like pre-K. Um, I was like in class and like using crayons or colored pencils or just coloring because I'm a child. And whatever student teacher was like in our room told me I couldn't use it because I was black. And straight up gave the colored pencils to another kid and like I had just moved on to something else. And, like, that's, like, my first distinct memory. Like, I don't necessarily remember the actions that, like, happened after it or anything along those lines. But, like, I remember that being said to me. Yeah. I don't remember her being at the school after that because I I imagine they took, like, action against it. I don't know, like, how involved my parents were with any of it. Did but you like, ask your parents about that? No. Partly because my parents are older. Um, they've just like lived very long lives. And I kind of think in like the grand scheme of things, like like realistically colored pencils are really not that important. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like I do think my parents have like really tried to instill in me like a sense of value in myself to yeah. then speak up whenever I feel like I've been I wronged. Like it's really empowered you to be the woman who you are today. Yeah. Which is really awesome. I would a thousand percent like agree to that because yeah. My, and coming from like a culture that is, I would say pretty conservative, um, mm. they've really pushed me to find my own happiness and to be my own individual within that. And yeah. like, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily say that is uncommon in our culture, but a lot of people look to my parents and they're like, your parents are with it. Yeah. Like they got it, they know. And like the fact that they're more centered around your happiness mm -hmm. than like, around their cultural perceptions of like right my parents like again shout out Mateos and Mahara you guys yeah. did it right and yeah. thankful for those humans that's amazing but I mean how much of like what they know or like understand and experience in that like I'm not completely sure mm -hmm. um so yeah I I don't do, know do you think they're like playing a role of like this is how we succeed in America yeah, I think, and I think um, that's a good, that's a good question. You mentioned whitewashed before. Yeah, and so part of that comes from, like, the fact that, like, I have always been the only black friend in my friend group, mm -hmm. always, and, like, I under, I know that, but I think for my parents, kind of, like, that model minority mindset of, like, being successful, like, 
getting good grades, like doing the right thing, like quote unquote, staying out of trouble. Mm -hmm. um, definitely influenced like how I became who I am, mm -hmm. but I want to also be able to like take off the lens of just like my experience and like how I've lived it yeah. and and take a step back and say, just because this is what my parents believe and like what my parents think to be true doesn't necessarily mean that their experience is a wrong, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's right either yeah. or the truth, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> really to that, the parents thing. Uh, just always influencing you. And you know what's like, sorry, dad, but I really wish I could pull up a specific conversation, but I know for a fact he has made some racial prejudices on people in front of me verbally that have influenced my own prejudices that mm -hmm. I have now been training myself to unlearn. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because they're just so ingrained. Like so deeply like ingrained so deeply. in where and they are. I can easily say like, I love you and I love black people and I love the whole community and but the stereotypes are ingrained in me in my knowledge in my knowledge of what I know right mm -hmm. and that's what you think you think you know what you know right but you can totally unlearn it and learn the truth and learn different, I, I, so okay it's, just, it's a process like such an interesting like kind of example of this I think about like as we were growing up in Renton like we knew not to come down to downtown run after dark. I always say that. I always say really, girl. I always. I think. I mean. So you guys, I didn't grow up here. I grew up in the woods. So Cam, I Cam and I. I Cam and I grew that. up out here. Like, it was unheard of. Like ten years ago. Yeah. We. You and don't it's go to downtown right you don't you like don't you don't there. go to downtown run that was like very well known go. if now you it's like, now it's like it's you gentrified. go hang out it's it absolutely is gentrified but like why is it that 10 years ago when downtown Renton was predominantly black when downtown Renton was you know not where it is today like it wasn't as gentrified obviously why was this then considered dangerous and why was it that when we had the opportunity to, like, I think about the bus stop in downtown Renton, like, everyone was always like, don't go down there because, like, there are homeless people and, like, you can get attacked. It's like, why didn't we have, like, the mental strength to say they need help in our community? Versus why? It's a problem. Mm -hmm. Because once we say it's a problem, we're not a part of the solution. Yeah. Mm. And I, wanna, I want us as, like, a, as a society to... And this is like so lame, but like a rising tide lifts all boats, like all boats. It does. And so, it's not lame. That's no, true. it's the truth. And yeah. so, like, she loves I'm fuck oh, she about loves quotes. quotes. I'm all about quotes. It's true. It is. And if we, as like a society, can bring up everyone, literally everyone, mm -hmm. it does best for every single person. Like, it doesn't hurt me to help you know, a child in my neighborhood. It doesn't hurt me to help a homeless person. It doesn't hurt me to help someone that looks or acts or thinks differently than me. Yeah. And a lot of this is really about what you said earlier. It's like looking inwards, but yeah. also then taking action outwards. Exactly. Yeah. 
Some I am. Um, some good stuff. I went to downtown Renton Walmart today, and I never go to Walmart ever. I'm always like, told not to go there. But why are so? Why it, it are has, you never to, told to go there? It's it's because of like the. Um, I think the company itself. Oh, yeah, Wolf Walmart, go Amazon. <laughs> love Amazon. Wow. Love um, Amazon. If you haven't figured it out, go to Amazon. Amazon sponsor us. Stop looking me. Help us out. Um, <laughs> no, no, never mind. Um, no, I'm, that one specifically has like a high crime rate. Again, and like the word. And the word okay. That's say, all I was told. The word I can say is sketch. Like I did so, not feel comfortable in that store. But you didn't. I did it today. No. I did it. But I but wait, wait, wait. Fine. I think this is a really interesting piece because I think it. Kind of, it like it does tie into what life, we're talking about. Real life situation. So like you were told that it was dangerous, that there were a lot of shootings, right? That there has been. that there has been, yeah. and like there yeah. absolutely has been. And, That's and factual. It, and it has been told to me just like people in the gym. Mm-hmm. We our cameras caught a runaway car. Wait, from really? a murder from that was over shot. over there on uh, Rainier. So I, when when we think about this, like yeah. this is like a situation where we're like, okay, somebody has a gun that shouldn't have one. Like we want the cops to be right. here. Where's the yeah. source? My Find thing, source. like I want to instead of, and this is I think a lot of what we're doing as a society. Mm-hmm. Like cops, cops, thank you again mm-hmm. for doing your job, but they're a band aid. They're solving the end of the problem and the yeah. end of the solution. I want to get to the front of the problem. Yeah. Like, we are taking away resources from educators. Educators that would likely be able to provide resources for students that either need mental health help mm-hmm. or need group activities or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's, like, getting access to health care, like, having someone that is able to be healthy yeah. and, you know, taking that burden away from, like, a family. Mm-hmm. What if that in itself was able to stop someone five years down the line from shooting something up? I definitely believe the mental health aspect of it, and that's just from my background. Like, right. I believe because I your experience has informed that. Exactly. Like everyone, like believe it or not, everyone goes through mental health crises, whether it's on depending on the degree. Y'all have experienced like, depression, whether you believe it or not. Absolutely. Like, you don't think you waking up on a rainy day and feeling like shit is in a level of depression? Like, shut up. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. shut up, you're depressed, bitch. <laughs> like, Monday, ah! Monday, it was a rainy-ass day, and I laid in bed till 1 o'clock. But today was sunny, sunny AF, and, and I was awake. Exactly. Can, also, I had to be because of work. You can have <laughs> depressive episodes and not absolutely be depressed. Be depressed. But also, I've been in depression. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I get both. But, like... Everyone deserves a equal right to getting help. I literally and, wrote down, sorry. Yeah. I literally just wrote down everyone needs mental health help. Like you were saying, like everybody we need, de- we everybody need to deserve, the everybody deserves access to getting help. Like and this and is why all thing. of these things are so interconnected. Like yes. none of these things are an issue. And on an island on their own. Yeah. All of these issues well, are deeply connected because as a society, and I think this is the point, as a society, we are interconnected. And 100%. so all of these things are going to be tied to each other. And we need to make sure that we're taking care of all of the pieces, Absolutely. not just the symptoms of the problem. Yes. It, yes. That, I feel like we, we well, just, I don't know who I talked, it? it was you. Uh, we talked about the health industry of like how 
doctors treat the symptoms and not the fucking root of but the they problem. But they, they don't know because they're not, they haven't yet to be taught that. They're not being like, trained it. Like, right. to be honest, so, like, bedside manner is something that's not taught to doctors. It's not. And my, my physician is actually a male and he's fucking amazing. And the reason why he is is because he actually didn't, he's a PAC, which is a, like a general. Mm. He didn't specialize. If you want to be like a specific doctor, you have to specialize. But yeah. he, he did work in psychology and oh, I love that. like institutions and things like that and learning about like how the mind works. And so, well, so even like, and this is kind of crazy because like even the healthcare industry has some like work to do. Oh, absolutely. You know, like I, like, my aunt is a doctor. To the healthcare industry. Yeah. Cut the local government or law enforcement. Let's go to the healthcare. Like global next. law enforcement though. Global like, law enforcement. Yeah. Local. Well, so I was. Global. My aunt is an OBGYN, and obviously she's black OBGYN in like the states, and like it's interesting because we talk about the like we're seeing at least the rates at which black women are dying during pregnancy and birth, yes. and like that is a serious concern for me like would I be an excellent mother yes do I feel safe bringing not even raising a child bringing a child into this world absolutely the fuck not Mm. and the fact that like our healthcare system is currently even the way we educate our doctors is centered in whiteness Mm -hmm. like the bodies that we use the science that is behind it comes from the white body but then science in our history has tested on black bodies and so like understanding like how all of these things then come together and like our influenced our healthcare system our police system our global reform and that's why i come back to like why can we not imagine like reimagine all of these things like we have such high bars for our local like our government officials like presidents of companies Mm -hmm. whatever I want to have a high bar for all of these pieces. Everything. Everything. Like, if we want to be and if we want to continue to claim that we are the greatest country in the world, let's continue to have a high bar for what it means to be great. Absolutely. You had mentioned on our coffee date, black privilege. Yeah. Talk about what black black privilege is to you. Yeah. Ooh. Um... Because so that's not a, I mean, sorry, but that's not a term that we hear. We hear white privilege. So you mentioned black privilege, and I was like, whoa, what? So I have, I have, like, a privilege in the sense that, like, in this moment, like, I have an experience that, like, I can speak to you, and I'm privileged that, like, my life has been safe enough that I can speak to my experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, to a certain degree, everyone experiences a level of privilege, right my privilege as a black person may not necessarily be rooted in my blackness Mm -hmm. but it is rooted in my access to education it's rooted in my access to family the fact that i grew up in a two-parent household is a privilege the fact that i have never had to question where my next meal will come from is a privilege the fact that i have an excellent degree from a top tier university is a privilege. Like, and I recognize that these are all privileges that I have as a 
black female in America. That is not the same conversation for cousins of mine that live in Eritrea. Cousins of mine that live in Sweden. Like, there is there is a level of privilege that like I have as an individual and because I'm black, like it will always be associated with my blackness because I'm black. But none of those things necessarily have to do with me being black, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I, and I mean, none of these things at the same time they, they make my life easier, absolutely. My access to education, my access to family, like my access, my access to things truly gives me privilege. And, and I think that's the piece that white people have a really hard time understanding is that the privilege isn't just because you're white. Like it is because you're white. But we have a system that is built around your whiteness that benefits you. None of my, like, privilege comes from the sense that I'm black. All of my privilege comes from my situation. I was very fortunate that my parents immigrated to the United States when they did, Mm -hmm. that they met each other when they did, that they got married when they did. None of those things are because they were black. Yeah. This fate for them so they could have you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so just being mindful of like the privileges I do have, the fact that I'm here and able to speak with you guys about my experience is a privilege. Yeah. That my many of my black brothers and sisters don't have because that privilege has been taken from them. Yeah. And I I want every person that is like living, living, just like alive, regardless of your skin color, to recognize the privileges you also have. Because we we may not have it as great as the person to our left, but we may have it better than the person to our right. Mm -hmm. And we should at the same time be able to fight for what's better for everyone. But you have to also be thankful for what you do have when you have it because you're not going to have it all the time. I think back to December, the fact that we were able to go to a park and freely hug our friends, like, Mm -hmm. and be so close close to each other. That was a privilege. And the fact Uh that, like, the fact that we can't have that anymore, Mm -hmm. like, I want people to understand, like, we are taking advantage of that privilege. And, like, I want us to make sure that we understand, like, we have opportunities. I have many opportunities as a woman of color in the States with my education. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have had those if I didn't have any one of the pieces that I had mentioned before. Yeah. You know? What's something I will remember forever is on our coffee date, these girls came up to the coffee shop. So, and it was a white mom and two mixed girls it was literally just the most it was precious so thing. Okay. Grandma was over in the corner with her yappy dog. dog. Oh my god, it was so cute. <laughs> and Saba says, "Oh my gosh, I love your guys' hair." And I was like, "Wow, like just I know how much 
that means to a young black girl. And I can't imagine that you may have needed to hear that when you were younger. So my question, that was so powerful. I will remember it forever. My question is, what do you wish you were told when you were younger? Which is maybe a really <laughs> redundant question, or maybe it's no. A that's a really theory. great question. Um, what do you wish you heard in regards to just being ethnic, being black? Like, what do you wish that you heard that maybe have would have made you stronger? Or, like, mm. She's a pretty damn strong woman. You are right so now. strong. No so what? it's really interesting because, like, you, you see me, you, you see me now. Um, but Cam knows me then. I I barely knew you then, But the thing is, is, like, the things that you probably did know about me also are different than who I am today. So in high school, Mm -hmm. not even just high school, just growing up, my hair was always straight. Really? Always straight. straight. My hair was never not straight. I worked at my high school pool, but (laughs) shout out, Hazen High School Pool. Um... I always had my hair straight. Out of swim season, could not catch me with curly hair. Permed my hair so that it would be permanently straight. And then I turned 20, and I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated with the fact that, like, I never felt pretty enough. I never never felt like I was enough when it came down to it. I, as Saba Mateos, never felt like what I did to be myself was enough. And so I cut everything off. I shaved my head. I was like, fuck this business. Like, you think this is what makes... So it it was almost seven... It was seven years ago this year, which is crazy. Yeah, just I walked into a barbershop in Rainier Beach, and I was like, go to town. And they were like, you're not going to sue us, right? I was like, no. You do it or I do it. Like, pick or choose. But let's also be honest. We all understand what happened to Britney Spears in 2007. We all understand. I almost had my moment. I almost had my moment. Relate to that motherfucker. For real, relate to her. For real, for real. Saba took a pair of clippers and shaved her head because she was like, fuck this business. Exactly. And I have. She about had it. She about had it. She about had it. For real. So. I have had natural hair, like curly, truly natural hair for the last seven years. And it has been unbelievable to speak to that. Like the fact that I have, I like stripped this identity of like how people saw me. Mm -hmm. People were able to identify me with the fact that like I had this long, straight black hair and like a big smile. And then I shaved my head and people were like, where'd your hair go? Um, What I wish... I had known when I was a kid, like when I, when I was their age, I wish I had known how beautiful I was on my own. I feel you there. And like, that's such a sad thing to say out loud, but like, I mean, you're not alone in that thought. And I know that, I know that. And that's the thing that makes me really scared is like, I turned, I turned 27 this summer. I, I could have been, and like, I will keep saying this because I want people to hear this. Like I could have been Brianna Taylor. Like she was a 26 year old woman that got killed in her own home. Like that currently is me. And in the 26 years of my life, like I wish I had known that like I was beautiful in my own skin. Absolutely. 
it really took me until I was like 23, 24. So like in the last like two or three years to really embrace who I am and how I stand in and exist in this world. And that's weird for people to think that like who I was 10 years ago, who was very confident and bubbly and bright and vibrant was really dark and unhappy and she was sad and she never felt good about herself. Mm -hmm. And the person that I am today is try and touch my hair. Try, like try me. Please try me and see what happens because like, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. I don't understand. Even as a white person, like the the desire to touch ethnic hair. There, it's there's like a twofold piece to it that I've like over the years unpacked. Um, one of it is curiosity. It's the fact that like you don't have curly hair. Like you genuinely have never felt. Girl, I've had so many different people like. It's Without like, even it's asking. Like it's, it, it, it's no, like no. talking to pregnant women and trying to touch their belly when they're fucking pregnant. Like, oh, what? Some- the amount of people oh that God. do that? But, like, but here's the thing is, like, what it comes down to is people's understanding of their ownership of other people's body. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, the person that is trying to touch my hair is a white male. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten. Of and white male. And I dated a white male for two and a half years. Like, mm-hmm. and I, again, I have mad respect for this guy. And at no point in that was he ever like, I want to touch your hair because your hair is different. He was like, I want to touch your hair because I love you because it's something that relaxes you. Like it's something that I appreciate about yeah. you. Yeah. And for the immense amount of guys at the bar that want to pat me on the head because they're taller than me or touch my curls because it looks different than their straight hair. Life I don't understand. But this is my everyday. No, I'm just talking about You know, like... when you just... To me, when you said pat your head at the bar, I was thinking being relatable as women mm, in the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a man's trying to pat you on the fucking head. Like, tell me you don't want to punch him in the nuts when that happens. Like, like one, I don't understand because I'm not in the bar scene. Like, oh, I just, and I'm, I'm in the age range where I'm not. But I, part I of it. I been there for so long. Part of it is I have actively removed myself from that scene yeah. because it makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, my what existence. Touching my head. Like, get the fuck off me. Like what? What in your head think gives you the audacity? And the word that I have been using lately has been the caucasity mm-hmm. of having the privilege to touch me without asking. Yeah. Like, what is it about your whiteness yeah. that makes you feel like you can touch me without my permission? Yeah. And like, this comes down to, and this comes back to like a consent thing. Like, mm-hmm. and again, why all of these things are so interconnected is mm-hmm. because. Whether whether you are male, whether you are white male, whether you are female and white, like there is a level level of power privilege that you carry with you in the world, yeah. and how are you using it? Yeah. How are you being aware of the people around you, and do you give enough fucks to really try? Yeah. But yeah, I could actually count on all of our hands right now in this room, the amount of times I've had somebody touch my hair without my permission. And I've had to actively tell them not to do it. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely been moments where people have grabbed my hair. They're like, oh, it's so beautiful and long. 
because they like the Native American thing. Right. Like, my hair is long and black and beautiful. Whatever. Like that's great, but why the fuck are you touching my hair? I can't relate to you on that. And it, but it like and it's just I'm like, like well, what are you why? Doing? why why I want to understand. Hair with your damn eyes, don't touch my hair. Because <laughs> at what point? At what point does like your hands on me? then change the dynamic of the power of this relationship. Like you have at no point taken into consideration who I am, my experience, where I am in this moment with you, Mm -hmm. that like you have every power. It's very selfishly driven. That is it. That's the end of story. That's what I want. That's selfishly driven. That whole last 20 seconds is exactly like what people need to hear yeah it's, it's that's why you don't touch people's hair but this is that's also why, why i want people appearance. to feel white guilt is because that inherent selfishness that white people have and like we're all selfish you appreciate mm-hmm. the curls right i love your hair thank you and if you right. wanted to touch my hair i would act if like you asked me i would say absolutely yeah, like, Please. I am so proud of my curls. I want everybody to have their hands in them with my permission. permission. Even if someone touched my head, I'd be like, what the fuck? Right? I think it's just a complete disrespect move. Mm -hmm. Why are you grabbing my hair? Why are you touching any part of me? Any any part of me. Without permission. 100%. 100%. And it's just a respect thing. And it happens to females more often. More often than Absolutely. not. Absolutely. And it's a man <laughs> touching a female. And, like, I have also had women touch my hair. And, like, in those moments, like, the thing that, like, I am thankful for is that I actually feel comfortable enough to say, like... They're not threatening. <laughs> for the most part. For the most part, I can take a gal. I can take a gal. Like, if I really wanted to, I can get scrappy. I believe it. But. I'm looking at her right now. I believe you don't fuck with her. Oh, shit. <laughs> Try me, people. She's a Leo. She's a Leo. Try me. What do you want your white friends and everyone, slash everyone, to know about the Black Lives Matter movement? And how can the white community appropriately, appropriately support you? Okay, so here's what I want people to know about the Black Lives Matter movement. This, by far, is not a political issue. Mm -hmm. Never has been, never will be. If you think it is, you are not listening. Full and foremost. What I also want people to know about the Black Lives Matter movement is that this is not a fight against the cops. Because I believe that the cops do have a place in our society. I think we just need to reimagine what their responsibilities are. Because we don't train them for everything that we set them up for. We're literally setting them up for failure. The other thing I want people to know is this is a human rights issue. And if you believe all lives matter... And that is your your take on life, is that all lives matter. I want you to look up the definition of all. All lives matter until... All lives don't matter. Until black, black lives matter, until trans lives matter, until every... I'm saying until Muslim lives matter. I'm saying every life. I genuinely do believe all lives matter. Right. I'm out here fighting for the lives that y'all are treating like they don't. If you are someone in my life, specifically Saba Mateos's life, 
you, my love language is action. Actions will always speak louder than words because actions are what make change happen. And so if you want to support me in this movement, vote. I need you to vote. Not only do we need to vote Cheeto out of his princess tower, but we also need to vote for our local elections, which matter. Like the mayor, Jenny Durkin, like, thank you for doing what you're doing, but clearly you're not doing enough. And the people are being very clear about what they want. So get out there and vote. Look at people like Germay Zahile, council member for the city of Seattle District 2, doing what the people, truly the people are asking of him. Not what corporations, not what, you know, land masses, like we're talking about like the grassroots. So get out there and vote. Do your research. Understand the people that are currently in power. Like what does your, where does your district attorney currently sit on certain issues? Where is your sheriff's department in, in regards to these things? How does your mayor support these individuals? Because these are the people that you are, you as a citizen of this country are making those choices. You are put, you're giving them the power to make those things. And if you feel uncomfortable about that, it's because you've made a choice to put them there. So get out there, vote, sign the petitions. Like Brianna Taylor's murderers are still out there. It has been almost a hundred days, a hundred days and they are still cops. They murdered somebody and there's been no accountability. We need action to happen in those instances. So call, call the Kentucky, call Louisville, like make your voice heard. The other piece that I would say, and this is probably a piece that makes people really uncomfortable, is support black-owned businesses. It, make, it might make people uncomfortable until you realize you've been supporting white-owned businesses your entire life. Yep. If you're in Renton, check out Boon Boona. Gotta love Boon Boona. Love Boon Boona. Check them out. Ephraim, doing it. Amazing. Um, but also, like, Expose yourself. Like there are black owned bookstores. There are black led podcasts. There are black owned brands, um, whether it's clothing, it's skincare, it's healthcare, it's mental health, it's working out. And how are we then within this space creating the same level of access that for the last 400 years white people have been doing for each other? Yeah. Creating that same level of access for black people indigenous people, Asian American, Latinx, all people. Because if we want to genuinely say all lives matter, all lives gotta matter. Absolutely. So tell us and our listeners how we can find you. Ooh, how can you find me? Um, If you wanna know more about about Saba, um, add me on Instagram. I'm super social. I'm talking about all these issues on there. Um, hey Saba, so H-E-Y-S-A-B-A, Hey Saba. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn if you're looking for a professional connect. And that's where Saba exists. Awesome, cool. Thank you so much for being a part of our conversation today. Thank you again for having me, you guys. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Like, very enlightening. 
so much. And I just, I'm really proud to like know you and yeah. really proud of what you're doing and how you're speaking out and how you're speaking. Thank you. It's such like kind like, yes, there's some, some, some anger. Part of me is like trying to <laughs> like just, so much balance, like lighting mm-hmm. this shit on fire mm-hmm. um, and like educating people. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, like on you're, fire, you're, on but, a, you're in a good balance. Like you held yourself very well. <laughs> I'm very pumped to be a part of this conversation. Initially, I was uncomfortable, but I'm really, I'm really excited that we had this conversation, and I made a new friend. I made a new friend too, you guys. Like this is, and that's what this is about: lady power, but also lots of love. Lighting the world on fire, but also like bringing things to light. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're just awakening people, absolutely, and, and just such love and kindness. Like you just have this grace about you as well of just like thanks honoring like hey you're not educated and i'm gonna let you know you're not educated (laughs) i want you to get educated and then we can talk knowledge is power man i love you but i love you but go get educated like you gotta love people where they're at well this has been a wonderful episode great episode i hope you guys wait's wine wisdom Hope you guys got, subscribe. Hope you guys got some value out of today's episode. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us at Weights Wine Wisdom on Instagram or email us at weightswinewisdom at gmail.com. Um, we hope you enjoyed it and give Have us been. any recommendations, comments, concerns, discussion. We're always um, looking for those wine, wine recs, please. please. Thank you. If for you're looking I mean, selection. If you're looking for uh, Chelan recommendations, Hipsy Canyon Winery in Manson, Washington is excellent, um, as well as Succession Wine Carderis. Um, just a little plug for my Eastern Washington folks. Shout out to the Garvins. Eastern Wa. All right, guys. <laughs>